Hello and welcome back to TA Playlist, the official game club of TrueAchievements.com. My name is Mark, Gamertag Not Penny's Boat, and I'll be hosting today's episode on Remedy's 2016 Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey Shooter Quantum Break. Joining me once again, we have someone who played through the game so quickly you'd think he could time travel himself. It's Sam, Gamertag Kantaris. Hi again, Sam. Hi, I've come back from the end of time just to be on this podcast with you. <laughs> that's that's good use of your time for sure uh and we had to manipulate space time ourselves just to get him back on the show but it worked and he's here it's kevin gamertag yuri dace welcome back kevin uh it feels like just yesterday i was last here <laughs> maybe it was <laughs> so as stated today we'll be wrapping up our june 2018 community game quantum break with 34 percent of the votes it won our sci-fi themed poll beating out 2017's soft reboot or hard reboot whatever it was of prey uh deus ex mankind divided and the surge uh as he's back on the show we thought he could give us another concise and sometimes slightly flippant story summary for those that got lost in the swirl of chronological confusion this month so kevin for the first time in a few months can you explain it all i i surely can so this stars that one actor that you kind of recognize but you never know what he's from <laughs> and he's He's doing some stuff. He goes and meets his old friend who actually has a time machine. That guy steps in the time machine and comes back really evil and older. And everyone's <laughs> really confused. Eventually, he kills your the main guy who we still forget his name, his brother. And anyway, we, we keep going through. He meets this double agent that's working with this group called Monarch. Well, rather, infiltrating a group called Monarch. And Monarch's real evil. They're going. They discover that the end of time is coming, which will freeze everyone and luckily our guy has special powers and he's immune to that freezing so he fights through eventually he finds out his brother's not dead they get this cool little device that saves the world and they activate it and that's that's really everything that happens <laughs> it's i think it's much more confusing uh when you see it at play out but yeah that's a good summary as always <laughs> uh so yeah, we tend to start with story on the show. Uh, I think we have in every month but one, maybe. And like with Alan Wake, it's especially fitting here, as Remedy prides itself on being a story-first studio. Uh, now, Sam, you weren't on the show for our first month when we covered Alan Wake, but you've since told me that you thought very little of it. As a massive fan of, of that game, of this game, as listeners will find out shortly if they don't already know... Uh, and just in general, Remedies fans are often so well-versed in their work. I thought it might be good for us to grill you a little bit on Alan Wake and just get the short version of why you didn't like that game. I think it could be relevant to however you feel about Quantum Break, and regardless, I'm just curious anyways. Yeah, so I guess it was a little bit of a perfect storm of several different things that, I'm, that aren't really in my wheelhouse. I'm not a huge, as people will know from the Alien Isolation podcast, I'm not a huge horror person, um, so the kind of the horror, horror elements of it didn't really do anything for me. Um, regardless, sort of outside of gaming, I'm not hugely into the, the kind of pulpy Stephen King kind of horror anyway, which which Alan Wake was was really leaning into. But also, I'm not I'm not particularly a huge fan of, of straightforward corridor shooting kind of games, uh, particularly in third person. It's, it's never really been my kind of thing. So I guess all that kind of came together. Sounds familiar. <laughs> so, so basically, you liked nothing about. Um, it. No, not really. Um, I didn't really like the. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really like the acting, the writing, the gameplay, the environmental design, or the music. So, um, uh, music to my ears. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's the short version. You didn't even like the music. I'm surprised. I thought it's a great soundtrack. 
but yeah, that that might be a clue. I you know it's fun as people who listen often will probably know already. Uh, we tend to keep our thoughts hidden from each other before we record, so it's all organic for us. And you know sometimes we'll we'll let things through the cracks, or sometimes you know one of us did the review like I did in this case, so you guys already know how I feel, anyways. But with you and with this month specifically, I I literally had no idea coming in, and may, maybe we just got a bit of a hint, but we'll we'll see how it plays out over the next two hours or whatever. <laughs> Let's start with uh, the characters and, and casting for this game, and I figured we can kind of break them down at the same time uh, as much as we want to for in each specific case, because they brought in several familiar faces, as Kevin mentioned, to coincide with the live-action portion, which we'll get into later. So we have Jack Joyce, who's the hero, portrayed by Sean Ashmore. That's his name, Kevin, for future reference. Most uh, He's most famous for his roles in X-Men, where he played Iceman, and I know him even before that, from the TV adaptation of Animorphs, which is a, a YA literature series when, you know, I think people our age were growing up in the 90s. Uh, surely not very good, but that's where I first recognized him. And I think in the forum, some people recognized him from The Following, which was a short-lived Fox drama as well. I, th- I think uh, one thing Remedy did with Jack is ensure his firearms proficiency makes story sense, as it never really made sense with Alan, who was a writer, but suddenly had this pinpoint accuracy when, when we needed it to for the game. But with Jack, they allude to him having a shady and somewhat criminal history, so that kind of explains his, his firearms usage. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know this part, but the original reveal for Quantum Break had a different actor cast as the hero, but I think they were ultimately mandated or just maybe chose to put a more recognizable and younger face in the role. The actor who was once in the role of Jack, Sean Dury, he later became the cab driver we see at the beginning and then maybe later, depending on your choices. So he wasn't com- completely off the... It's a bit of a downgrade. Well, yeah, certainly. <laughs> kind of yeah, I don't know if you remember the the original reveals, but he's, he actually kind of looks like Alan Wake, you know, not, not too much, but vaguely, he looks like the Alan Wake, um, mocap actor. And, um, he just looked, you know, considerably older. I mean, I think he is older and I think Mike, either Microsoft or remedy or some combination of the two decided they wanted to go with someone younger and and more recognizable. So I, I guess it makes sense to put a younger, like boyish looking, former superhero to play your role of a young boyish looking superhero that i guess that makes sense <laughs> but what did you guys make of jack as the hero of the story and or if you want to talk about the actor sean ashmore as well uh, well honestly i i'm not that great at analyzing acting I, even though i i definitely love movies i typically don't view them in such a nitpicky way i i guess i could say you know i I generally there for the experience and as long as the actor isn't pulling me out of that experience then it doesn't really matter to me with few exceptions so I can say that here he definitely didn't pull me out of it I thought he portrayed a character that was at least somewhat believable and that's really all I'm asking for in an actor so I, I thought he did a good job but I, I wouldn't say he did a great job or not honestly I have no idea yeah I mean for me I think he was perfectly fine I think he's I mean, I've never never really seen anything that he's been in. I think. Well, I think I saw X Men back <laughs> in the day, but I really don't have much much of a memory about about that movie or or any of the franchise really. But um, he did a perfectly good job of portraying the character. I I I didn't think the character was hugely interesting. Um, it was his his motivations seemed to be fairly 
just action movie hero kind of motivations. He doesn't really show an mm-hmm. awful lot of emotional range. He just kind of goes through the motions of, okay, well, time's going to be broken, so I'm going to fix time, and I'm just going to go and fix it, and it's all going to be fine. And um, even when he's kind of going back after his brother, it's kind of doesn't seem that upset um, that his brother's dead uh, a lot of the time it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to kind of uh prey on him that much um during the kind of course of the game that you know everyone's telling him that he can't save his brother he seems weirdly he seems to be much more concerned about um the beth yeah beth um sorry this is, this is not not a very good start i can't remember any of their names um so he seemed a lot more concerned about beth um very quickly after well interestingly he only really cared about her after she became unavailable because she was dead um <laughs> in my opinion like he didn't really show much emotional connection with her until after like he he realized that through all the time shenanigans that she was going to end up dead um that was the kind of point where where he started caring um which to be honest is again fairly hollywood standard uh is to kind of suddenly fall in love with the female lead when she's unattainable or in danger but but yeah, I just found it a bit odd that he that there was an opportunity there to to really kind of play up the the aspects of of the relationship he had with his brother, which we get a little hint was was frayed, um, and we get some sort of explanation for that by the fact that his brother was obviously working on all this stuff that he'd learned about from the future. Um, but they don't really play with that and give Sean Ashmore the opportunity to kind of show his acting chops by by asking him to portray any kind of emotion there's no there was no kind of lines of dialogue that that would have really allowed him to open up any kind of range in terms of his acting so yeah it ended up being a perfectly serviceable performance for a character that that didn't seem that demanding ultimately yeah i I think that's a good way to put it you guys both kind of echoed some of the same there which is that if it's not distractingly bad then it's it's i tend to just find it pretty good and you know i don't I don't love Sean Ashmore. I do actually really enjoy some of the other characters uh, or some of the other actors cast in this game that we'll get onto shortly. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the X-Men's or anything. So I I didn't have any allegiance or, or distaste for Sean Ashmore being in the game. And, and as, as you said, Jack Joyce is, he's kind of just the vehicle for the plot. And I thought it's, it's, funny in like a much too convenient sort of way that he finds himself in the middle of this like torn between his genius brother scientist who who's the namesake for the discovery of chronons and his genius best friend uh entrepreneur slash quasi pseudoscientist almost who's he's i guess he's like the elon musk character in this game where uh but it's it's just it's like you said it's hollywood for for jack our 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 hero to be torn right in the torn between this story just found himself right in the middle of all the action in such a way that that's uh even my first time through i thought that was a little too unbelievable (laughs) but it's i mean remedy said they were going for a more hollywood uh wider audience sort of appeal here they were actually just i just read an interview with sam lake the creative director the other day uh, regarding control which is the new game that they're doing that was just announced a couple weeks ago at e3 and uh he said with alan wake they wanted to get really weird and with quantum break they were trying to be more mainstream and you know the time travel stuff can definitely turn some people away as it gets pretty confusing later on i think but generally the action and some of the characters and their relationships and there's interpersonal dynamics a lot of it does feel like familiar in that way 
because remedies you know i think a lot of their stuff they try to uh like not mimic and almost like pay homage to whatever genre they're they're cribbing from really where it doesn't feel like as thieving as it does like uh respectful i guess you could say like you said with the alan wake stephen king stuff before as well you and i 11 or 12 years old when we found that vagrant remember and when i arrived at the past that was the first thing i tried to change i went to the roof i tried to talk him down but my presence startled him and he fell, same as before. Anything I try to change, it just triggers the same event. We keep seeing that body. Because we were meant to. I'm not turning my back on the human race. At this point, they're a necessary sacrifice. Is that what well was? Necessary sacrifice. Well refused to believe the inevitability of what was coming. And he became an obstacle. Answer me this question, Paul. In everything you've seen. Do I stop before you're dead? But uh, let's talk about then Paul Serene, who is the main antagonist for the game. He's played by the, I think he's great, Aiden Gillen. And I think that's how you pronounce it. I've never heard it out loud, hopefully. Uh, He's best known for his roles on two awesome HBO series, The Wire and Game of Thrones. What are your thoughts on either Gillen in this role or Serene? And I guess I should specify both versions of him. I I thought it was funny how they aged him down so that his close friendship with Jack didn't seem so strange. Like we had to believe they grew up together. But that part doesn't really work for me since I know the actor so well. It was just a bit weird seeing him made to look 30 rather than 50 or so. Uh, What do you guys think of his motivations and his journey, which is unlike anyone else's in the story? Um, So I'm going to start off by saying I think Aidan Gillen is a terrible actor. Oh my god. (laughs) And he is the reason I had to stop watching Game of Thrones. Really? Um, oh, it was many reasons, but he was the final straw that, that broke the camel's back for me. I, I just, I, I can't explain why I feel so strongly about it when everyone else <laughs> seems to think he's fine, but there is something about his face and the way that he talks. Well, yeah, he does um, have that side mouth he, talking thing going on. Yeah, which, which to be to be fair, if that's you know just his face, I can't really complain too I much. I think about it is, that, but, to be honest. I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's his character. He, everything but, I've seen him and he does it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And but but there's something in his mannerism that that I don't believe him. I never believe him as an actor. I, hmm. I, he I don't believe that that he's playing a character. I, I believe he's an actor of speaking lines and that was a big turn off for me when this game was first announced actually. So that's that's partly why I I didn't really jump on it Interesting. Um, when it first came out. And he did nothing to kind of change that for me in this and it was kind of the opposite of what kevin was saying about you know how he doesn't you know an actor's performance doesn't normally take him out of of something unless it's particularly bad but my my (laughs) dislike of him as an actor really did bring me out of some of the scenes that he was in so Hmm. that that did 
kind of influenced my opinion of the character. But I mean, in terms of uh, the the journey that he goes on, um, it, again, it seemed fairly straightforward to me. I mean, certainly, there's I've read a fair few time travel mm-hmm. uh, narratives where you do get this character who goes back and kind of builds this this uh, giant company in order to try and sort of right some kind of wrong or, or gain some kind of power but even in the broader sci-fi sense there's normally there's well quite often there is a character who will be revealed to be the head of some kind of massive organization that seems to be you know somehow evil or oppressive and it turns out that they've got some kind of higher purpose in mind they're trying to save humanity from something or other so Again, that was fine. It just didn't really do anything for me in terms of um, uh, anything innovative that made me kind of sit up and take notice. It was just okay. This is standard um, kind of standard sci-fi stuff. It was it was marginally interesting to have him make um, make certain choices throughout the game, but because as we'll get onto later, because that only really affected the TV series. They yeah, didn't <laughs> any of that anyway. But we'll, we'll get to that. But but yeah, in terms of the character. Um, Again, fairly straightforward antagonist for me in terms of. Um, I mean, I have read a lot of sci-fi, so maybe I'm a little biased in this saying saying that it's a very common trope. Um, but but yeah, it didn't really do anything um, spectacular for Uh-oh. me. I must admit. <laughs> We're starting to paint a picture of Sam's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Kevin? Anything? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the whole picture is basically <laughs> just fill in the blank now. Um, <laughs> it, it's. Uh, I, I thought again it, he did fairly well i he wasn't amazing for sure but i definitely found his character to be remotely believable i understood why he might think that way as far as the actor goes uh he's not the best actor in the world no but i think he plays his characters very well when he's typecast into the right role so here he was supposed to be at least I felt a little bit kind of slimy maybe. And uh, I mean, obviously this character was exactly that. So I thought it worked and I thought he, he was a good fit for the role uh, because he, he seems like he can be friendly at times a little bit, but also clearly seems very <laughs> evil when he wants to be just like he does in game of thrones so i i thought he did he did very well i i was definitely happy with that i don't agree with sam at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't i actually didn't know when this game came out i didn't i hadn't seen the wire nor had i seen game of thrones yet i've, I've seen them both since then and uh, so i know him a lot better now but this was actually my first not that he's only done those i should add obviously but i've just never seen anything those are two of his marquee titles that he's been a part of but so yeah, this was my first bit of any sort of media in which I've seen him, and yeah, at first I thought it was for his character, the way the way he he speaks that that Sam alludes to, but um, I've I learned since then that that's just sort of his face, I guess. And <laughs> but I I don't know I I don't have a problem with the actor. I'm I'm surprised to hear you you uh, think so strongly of him, Sam. Although it does, I can't think of any actors I feel that way about, but I know for some reason. This is, this is almost maybe off topic, but I, I really can't stand the hotel, the song Hotel California, and I don't know why. And I, uh, like, I don't, <laughs> there's just something about it when it comes on. I'm just, I just, like, get grumpy. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that song, but and when you were describing the way you feel about him, uh, it, it almost sounded that, it almost reminded me of that. Just, it's almost inexplicable, but it just, like, 
just something within you that you just know that you like, can't deny your true feelings about this thing. And- yeah, yeah. Aiden Aiden Gillen goes in the box with Abba for me, in, 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 inexplicable box of just misery for me. So I'm going to keep him there for now. <laughs> Yeah, that's too bad. Um, I mean, certainly, yeah, you can feel that way. I'm just, it's just funny to to feel that way about him. I th- I think uh, we'll get on to him in a little bit. Yeah, so let's let's move on to uh, Courtney Hope, aka in uh, Beth Wilder in the game. She's the the rogue double agent working for Monarch that Kevin mentioned at the top of the show. So yeah, she's working to upend the corporation's plans thanks to some of that timey wimey stuff Kevin mentioned and. Remedy obviously liked her work enough as she's been recast as the protagonist in their next game, Control, that comes out next year. But what did we all think of her role in this? Because whereas Remedy probably made too much of a damsel in distress out of Alice Wake in their previous game, I thought Beth was certainly stronger as a character. I think what this game does well is something that lots of time travel stories do well, which is how it gets to play with chronology in such a way that keeps things unanswered for a very long time. And Beth is kind of like the greatest uh, benefactor of, of that uh, chronological confusion. And the first time we see her, we immediately know she's different than the rest of the Monarch militia, but it takes a while, almost the whole game really, before we see how crucial she is to all of it. So what did you guys think of her? Or if again, if you want to talk about Courtney Hope, I actually don't know Courtney Hope before this game personally i didn't either actually so i can only speak to i guess her character beth who i thought was fine i thought the way beth was written wasn't that great later on it became clear she was really important but early on i felt like they were kind of hiding the ball she was there but she she didn't seem too important and i don't like that they did it that way because you spend most of the game thinking basically that maybe she is not a damsel in distress, but definitely kind of like a token female, basically, who's not actually really doing much. She she doesn't accomplish very many things. She's just kind of there. And then suddenly at the end, it turns out she's radically different. She's incredibly important. And I didn't (laughs) like the way that's done. You're right that time shows sometimes do that. I really hate it when they do that. I thought, I mean, overall, I'm pretty positive on this game. I think that's one of the things about the story, though, that I definitely didn't like. I think if you're going to make a character that important, then it shouldn't come out of nowhere, which is how I felt it was. I'm sure there are breadcrumbs throughout it just based on the developer and everything else, but I didn't see them when I was playing through it. So they were a little too small of breadcrumbs. They should have been little bigger like rolls maybe thrown about and <laughs> uh, unfortunately they weren't so it it's certainly not the actress's fault it's not even really the fault of the character who was fine and once you know everything makes sense but i i thought her actual story was not very well told hmm. i just realized what you said with the with the baking uh, analogy I, I didn't catch that at first <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just I just happened to be looking on IMDb now. I don't think it's a, it's not surprising that none of us know who she was because actually this is one of her first major pieces of work. It looks like she's had a lot of TV work, but never never any kind of consistent um, character before this. Um, and Control seems to be 
one of the next biggest things on the on a list as well so which is surprising to me because actually um i agree with kevin that the character perhaps wasn't as as well drawn as 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 she could have been but i i thought she gave a particularly good performance and and she was one of the more believable actors in in the whole thing for me um i i liked the although it was again a fairly straightforward standard sci-fi time travel device i quite liked the scenes where we kind of discover that she's been left on her own for for you know many many years and is kind of dealing with the trauma of that and having seen i believed i believed her a lot more in terms of her trauma of having seen potentially the end of time than than aiden gillen although obviously as we've explained i may have some bias there but i feel like she kind of looked a lot more haunted and um concerned by what she'd seen than than aiden gillen uh, and again that might come down to the writing bit as well i think she was given that scene where she got to have a dialogue with another character specifically talking about what her experiences were at the end of um at the end of time was whereas aiden gillen kind of just has to do it all in kind of a monologue kind of stream of consciousness that we hear in a in a um in a voiceover he doesn't really talk to anyone significant um about about his experiences so i guess maybe she gets a little bit more leeway to 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 show off some of her emotional range in 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 her acting but in terms of the character um i feel like there was a lot of leading up to something that didn't really pay off to me um she was um i guess again because it's a just a standard time travel trope i was kind of hoping for maybe something a little more than just okay she was the one that went back and you know gave the right things to the right people at the right time um that was kind of fairly straightforward and standard so it didn't really do anything for me again above what i'd normally expect from from this kind of story so a good performance for an okay character again for me Hmm. yeah see i i love time travel stuff and we'll, we'll dive in more after we finish up all these characters but uh, I think I've noticed like with the Turing test when we did that last year in this game, and I don't know if we've done any other sci-fi in between or, or, or since we started the show, but uh, one... We had a sci-fi month. Well, we? that was this one, wasn't it? Yeah, was Quantum Break. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was this one. We just voted on it so long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, let's continue on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think a, a fair criticism you had with the Turing test uh and it sounds like you have again with this one sam and uh though i disagree i think it's fair is is how you you say well you know these games told these stories well but not in an interesting new way much of the time you know like the turing test with its uh trolley problem caused by like uh, a value alignment problem with an ai machine and then this one with with a lot of the same time travel tropes we've seen before and i think where you and i differ is i like when games are doing that because games other than podcasts are like my preferred medium to consume anything so you know if i've seen something in a movie or read it in a book before and i enjoyed it and now a game is doing it i kind of appreciate it and you know i'm trying to sell this in a way that doesn't make it sound like i think i'm right it's just how i feel and and i think you're you're fair to criticize (laughs) it as well but i i think i appreciate it like oh cool like I've liked this sort of storytelling before and now I get a game that's doing it. So I, I really appreciate that side of it. Whereas you're like, you're kind of just looking at it all as media consumption as a whole. It's like, well, I've seen this story, seeing it in this format. Now that I have a controller in my hand, it doesn't really make it that much different for me. And uh, I 
you know, like I said, I didn't know how you felt about this game specifically. I knew Kevin loved it. Yeah, I think I think I think the thing for me is that I, I mean, I I did this literally just the other day with uh, I've been reading the first book of the Expanse, um, which obviously has a TV series component, and my wife and I sat down to watch it last night and. Uh, although we both agreed that we didn't really like the TV series generally, I I specifically was coming at it and thinking, gosh, like that for me, a lot of sci-fi concepts are when you're approaching it from a um, philosophical perspective. I feel like um, books, the written word, is is the best medium to try and explore it from a philosophical point of view because you've obviously got more space to expand on your ideas. You can completely stop all action and just describe a you know a piece of technology or a concept or whatever and and the um the conceit of you know how we how we engage particularly with sci-fi books is is that we kind of accept that even though you know if you try to do that in a tv series or a game people would be like oh why have we just stopped to to explain this thing for for 10 minutes so from if if sci-fi concepts are being explored philosophically then i guess i prefer to read about them than to kind of try and see them uh shoehorned into like a hollywood style um movie like game or or something like that i think i think there's more interesting ways that games can play with that um but i think we'll probably get onto that in a bit when we we talk a bit more about um about the time Mm. travel in general yeah yeah that that sounds good um we still have a couple more characters I, i wanted to hit on too a couple more familiar faces i would say um among them, or first among them, I guess, would be Dominic Monaghan, who, you know, not only did he birth my, well, not to spoil a series that ended ten, eight years ago, so I don't think it's much of a spoiler, but uh, my gamer tag comes from his character on Lost. I won't say any more about that for people who might still be watching Lost. Uh, and other people know him. I always forget, was it Merry or Pippin in Lord of the Rings? He played one of them. <laughs> I don't remember which one. It's Merry. Merry, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I'm not a fan of Lord of the Rings. Those characters are really <laughs> interchangeable. Yeah, they, they are, are. They are. They are basically one whole character. I may together. have. I may have even got that wrong. I said that. I said that with a lot of authority. <laughs> that could have been a mistake. <laughs> it sounds like you know exactly what you're talking about. But <laughs> yeah, Dominic Monaghan. Uh, he, he portrays William Joyce, Jack's brilliant brother, scientist. Uh, he's c- credited with discovering the existence of chronons, which is if hopefully this sounds right it's the matter that makes up like physical space time is that kind of how they wanted to sell that i didn't jump into a lot of the collectibles on my replay here so i I, but i i guess that's kind of what they were saying right if you say so yeah i think pretty much (laughs) it was it was the MacGuffin. it was i I understood that they were (laughs) important to time travel and i just checked out after that because i didn't care (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he so i i loved seeing him in this game uh again like i said before i think it's it's a little convenient in a storytelling like shortcut sort of way to have jack william and paul all connected so closely in this way like i mean i i guess you could make the argument that that's what would happen because these are the people dealing with these things so they're going to be the people that screw it up if anyone's going to be screwing it up but yeah, it's just just from the initial premise. It, I think it's a it's it's a little silly to have so many like characters already know each other before the world starts going to hell. But I if, generally, if I, I could interject there, yeah, I, I don't think that that was ridiculous at all. I think it actually is sensible. It's not like they just pulled something where, oh yeah, turns out the evil leader happens to be your childhood best friend that you'd never heard from since then. 
they are all connected because they introduced each other to each other. So Aiden Gillen knew Dominic Monaghan through Sean Ashmore. And so <laughs> using the real names, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> finally, finally figure out what his real name was. I, <laughs> well, we're using them interchange anyway. Okay. Yeah. No, so I, I think they, they introduced each other. So it makes sense that they would know together because the two built the time machine, you know, at, at the same time sorted together. And then, you know, the other brother gets called there because he was re-related to both of them already. So I, I think story-wise that that is consistent and makes sense. It's not just throwing it in, oh, we happen to have a history and just have, you know, coincidentally we're now butting heads. I, I don't think it was played off like that at all. I think it is consistent and sensible. Yeah, that's, that's fair, I guess. But um, do we have any uh, lasting thoughts about either Dominic Monaghan or William Joyce? I... I just wanted to throw in one, which is, you know, having seen him on Lost so much, I, I know how he walks. And in this game, he obviously didn't do his own mocap. Like they, I think they did what, uh, what LA Noir did, which is like paste very detailed facial scans on other characters mocap for like the, the, the body and, and locomotion and things like that. So whenever William Joyce was walking in this game out, it was very jarring to me because it obviously wasn't Dominic Monaghan walking and like even his clothes that they put him in looked too big. He looked like a little kid in like his dad's clothes or something like that. It was, that part was actually distracting to me. Um, but the, the acting wasn't, I, I like the actor. I thought he did a pretty good job of hiding his accent. He's, I think he's from Manchester. So he sounds a lot like uh Dave from the main TA podcast. <laughs> And, uh, but you couldn't really hear it. I mean, I knew it was always there having, again, having known him, but I thought he did a pretty good job with that. And for some reason, I always like when British people do American accents, we, we still need to get Sam to do that. <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> but what'd you guys think of, uh, of either of them, either the actor or the character, Any, anything? I, I thought the character was fine. He didn't really have as big of a role as I really thought he should be. So it, I don't honestly have much to say about it. Other than, again, my very easy standard to meet of not completely ripping me out of the story was met. I thought he did a fine job. I yeah. don't, based on his past, really buy into him being a genius scientist, uh, considering the role he played in Lost, which is the only thing I know him from. But that's <laughs> not necessarily the actor's fault. It's just, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with him there and no time with him doing anything else. So uh, that that was the only complaint I had, and it's not really a very fair <laughs> complaint, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, again, he's another character that I feel like they could have uh, explored his um, the emotional side of what's going on with, going back to my original point about Sean Ashmore, not really getting the opportunity to explore that brotherly collection very much because obviously there's just so much time traveling nonsense to talk about it's you know it's in some ways um doctor who often suffers from this that you're, you're trying to catch up with the plot so much that you don't necessarily have the time um all the time to to really explore the the emotions that the characters might be going through and um to allude back to just a little bit earlier to your point about those three characters um happening to be connected mark i i tend to agree with kevin that i think that's fine and, and if anything i would have preferred to have seen uh more opportunities for them to interact as a as a three to kind of see a little glimpse of of what their relationships might have been like beforehand because i feel like you kind of just it kind of just set up that 
okay, the, 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 that's what these people's relationships, it's what these people's relationships were beforehand, but for the purposes of this plot, they are now just the enemy, the hero, and the, the science psychic. Like, the, <laughs> the, there wasn't a lot of time spent, as I said earlier, with seeing Jack be anguished about potentially losing his brother and, and, and being driven by that rather than by... Um, his kind of moral sense of trying to stop time from ending, which you know is a noble goal, but but for the character, I felt like it would have been a better opportunity to to show him being um, uh, being irrational because he wants to save his brother, not because he's he's sort of nobly trying to to stop time from ending. I thought that would have been a more interesting angle. But in terms of Dominic Monaghan, uh, I I'm not I'm nowhere near as huge a fan of Lost as as, as you are, Mark, <laughs> but he was certainly my favorite thing in it. Um, oh, so cool. it was nice to see him again but I let's just say I don't think that English actors should be doing American accents, I don't think American actors should be doing English accents, <laughs> there are enough actors to go around in both countries <laughs> to just let them have the accent that they should have and a lot of people are good at accents, his was okay but I still found it distracting maybe partly because I knew he wasn't American. Yeah I think it's that I yeah. still think, I think there is a bit of that but I still think that i don't know there just didn't seem to be enough reason for me to 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 see him trying to kind of uh, put on an accent when i don't know they could have just um found someone else um for 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 a character that wasn't um hugely fleshed out that didn't necessarily need to have him specifically in that role to to kind of bring some of his particular um acting talent to it you know it's a fairly generic role it just seemed to me like could have picked an american <laughs> that's just my thing yeah well yeah they the could have picked american could have picked british that for some reason yeah hollywood is obsessed with like getting british people to or australian people to play americans like hugh jackman as wolverine i mean he, he fits but uh there probably could have been an american there but uh i th- i don't know i was i was thinking as you were describing your 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 ups and downs with him and just with most of them in general uh i i wonder what the casting process was like for this game because almost across the board like we've got one more major character to hit on and like Dominic Monaghan like Sean Ashmore like Aiden Gillen and unlike Courtney Hope but um she's really the exception to the rule they they went for people kind of like Kevin said at the top that you recognize even if it's kind of like a, a what's his name or like where did I see this person before and uh and I wonder like you know this game was announced in 2013 just I don't know I I mean, with Dominic Monaghan, he had just done Lost a few years p- before, uh, and he was on a season of Flash Forward after that. So he he was still very much on TV. Aidan Gillen was, I I think if my numbers are right, he was already in Lord of the, uh, not Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Game of Thrones by then. And uh, I just I just wonder who's the like whoever was in charge of casting, like what their process was like. It they clearly wanted to get people that we'd recognize to help sell it, like we said with Sean Ashmore being recast for for one example. Um, I just I just wonder what kind of pool they they were they were choosing from, but I know that Remedy is also huge Lost fans. They said the storytelling and the the pacing of Lost was a big influence on Alan Wake, other than the, the you know outside of the all the Twin Peaks references that one makes as well. So I think you know if if Remedy had much control over it, maybe they just wanted Dominic Monaghan because they're fans of his. <laughs> Who knows? And to make the Lost connection, actually, that are the last of our major characters, Martin Hatch. He was. Uh, portrayed by one of my favorite actors in the world lance reddick and he was in lost uh, he had a bit part probably only in four episodes total 
but he also starred in Fringe. He was in The Wire as well. He had he actually shared a lot of scenes with Aidan Gillen back in like season three or four of The Wire. So that was that was a funny thing to see them back together again. Uh, and but speaking more to Martin Hatch, he's an enigmatic character who kind of works from within the shadow of Serene for much of the game. But by the end, it's made apparent that he's perhaps the greater threat to Jack and to the space-time continuum uh, for, you know, a sequel that we can talk about later. I don't expect either of you or anyone listening appreciates Lance Reddick as much as I do, but do you like him at all in this role? Was he distractingly bad? Was he just fine because he wasn't? You know, uh, so, you know, touch on that if you want to. And then what did you make of Hatch as as a character and the lore he adds to the game's backstory. I'm, specifically, I'm hoping you found the collectible at the end where he mentions naturally occurring time machines and caves and alludes to all sorts of would-be sequel plot points. I, d- I didn't see that collectible at the end. That That is interesting. But, um, oh, you didn't? No, I didn't get oh, it. Oh, wow. Well. Um, <laughs> in terms of the character, I, I think he was... I mean, obviously, a lot of his stuff was on the TV episodes, which which we'll get to, but he he was just doing his uh, Lance Reddick thing, which is perfectly fine. You know, yeah. doing his enigmatic, <laughs> yeah. um, unknowable, straight face. You know, maybe yeah. he knows more than he's letting on, kind of thing. And and I quite enjoyed seeing him play it as a as a kind of creepy bad guy, as opposed to what he did in Fringe. And I, I was a big fan of Fringe for the first first uh, two or three seasons, um, and and I enjoyed him in that. But I quite liked that he got to be a little bit more um creepy a little bit more antagonistic in this um showed a bit more kind of range other than just being sort of the the mysterious um kind of head of the agency kind of role that he he had in in fringe but um i (laughs) i I didn't really understand what was going on with the character uh towards the end I, i couldn't tell whether he was some kind of otherworldly other timely other universally thing or whether he mm-hmm. was just kind of uh trying to capitalize on the situation but obviously he has he has a weird scene in the in the tv episodes with um with with the the scientists that got trapped in the in the chronon accident that seems to suggest that that he i don't know it almost seemed like he was from somewhere else and and i don't know whether that was deliberately mm-hmm. vague or whether i missed something which is which is quite likely because <laughs> i did yeah yeah he missed something yeah, <laughs> but uh, but to your i mean to your credit it's uh you know we can i was going to hit on the collectibles later but there's a ton of collectibles in this game and i think the game hides a lot of important story details in those collectibles so mm-hmm. like especially that that there's one that you find i think it's right before you go into the room where the CFR is behind closed doors. I think it's it's very close to the end. It's like when you fight Liam from the show. Uh, he leaves a note unsigned for you, but, I mean, he makes he makes a reference to a hatch, which is, again, uh, I mean, well, for one, it, it reveals that his name is like a pseudonym, but also it's kind of another lost reference in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he it's that that note specifically is very revealing for the overall lore and for the the story universe that remedy was sort of setting up um but i don't i don't want to dive too much into that yet because we're going to hit that in a little bit and that's one of the more interesting aspects of it for me uh yeah you yeah it's not not necessarily to your fault i was going to say that you missed it because you know not everybody is going to chase down all 200 collectibles in this game (laughs) but uh 
Kevin, any thoughts on Lance Reddick, uh, one of my favorite actors in the world? So be nice, or um, or Martin Hatch. <laughs> yeah, as as far as my experience with him, I thought he played kind of the same character he always did. I'll definitely agree with Sam that towards the end, his character kind of spiraled out of control into a mess of confusion for me. In that I really had no idea what he was doing, why he was doing it, or really anything. I guess he wanted to bring on the end of the world or something like that. And I wasn't really clear really why he would have that motivation. We didn't really get to see that. Maybe that was intended for a sequel and they were just dropping bait there. But either way, I I thought as a character... He was not particularly well done. Again, not the fault of the actor in any way. It's just the way he was written was very confusing to me because he starts off as basically a a henchman slash leader to some extent. And that makes sense. But beyond that, I just... I just didn't see him clicking. It was, it was just really weird. Like he was taking the the eye drops, even though he didn't have time power, which just really confused me. And I'm not sure if the game ever explains why he would be doing that or what benefit he got from it, anything like that. Again, maybe this is all just bait for the sequel, but really, you shouldn't be throwing that kind of thing into the first game. What, what do we think overall then of the way this game depicts time travel? Because there's a few ways um, you can do it. I mean, uh, assumedly, maybe there are even more ways than we've seen, but a lot of them follow a few certain outlines that we've seen before. And frequently, whenever someone writes a time travel story, the problem becomes avoiding plot holes and inconsistencies. Quantum Break shares its time travel theory with Lost, uh, as far as I can see, among other stories, in that it pushes the whatever happened happened idea. It says that the past is set, you can't change it, but the future is malleable. And if ever it looks like you've changed the past, that's just the way it always happened in the first place. This is in opposition to the ideas used from something like Back to the Future, where the past can be altered, if I recall correctly. I'm admittedly not much of a fan of those movies. Uh... And then there's the time is non-linear idea that's been popular sometimes as seen in Fringe. Uh, I wonder if a sequel to Quantum Break was setting up such a a revelation that time was non-linear. But before I craft too many theories on my own, what do you guys think of the overarching time travel story? How it works? Does it make sense? Are you fans of that sort of thing typically? All that. I am a fan of time travel generally at least i don't honestly care whether they go with the whole it can be changed or the fate thing as long as they are consistent with it i thought as far as this yeah. game went again taking it to fate is fine and i thought they mostly held 
to that, though it did seem like characters were still trying to do things differently, which is a little weird. And at the end, it kind of implies maybe things did change or or not. Yeah. I mean, it it brings a lot into question of futility because if things can never change, I, I don't understand why the future would be able to be changed. They saw the end of time and they go fight to change it so that that doesn't happen. But if the past can't change, you probably can't change the future either since time isn't actually linear. And so that means the end of time is going to happen no matter what, right? At least that's how I understood it. So I, I thought that didn't necessarily make a ton of sense, but time travel pretty much never does. It's really hard to get right. So I, I thought mostly <laughs> they did an okay job with it, and I, I thought it was a, a fun story, so I was happy with it. Yeah, and, and for me, I again, I kind of I kind of agree that I don't necessarily care which type of time travel they're using, and even for me, I don't I don't necessarily care even if there are plot holes and, in, and inconsistencies. I think I mean Back to the Future is actually pretty much my favorite movie ever. So I mean, there, and that. <laughs> oh, movie, sorry, Sam. No, that's okay. But I mean, it's but <laughs> I think the and this is a point I was alluding to earlier about about kind of telling an emotional story rather than a philosophical story with something like time travel i i i think time travel is so problematic that i don't necessarily like it as a as a philosophical idea to be kind of the the, the central concept of, of why you're engaging with that piece of media so you know i i don't i don't think there are that many interesting philosophical questions to ask about how time travel would work i think that what time travel can provide is a is a way to explore an emotional story so which i found with back to the future you know it's it's not really about time travel it's about you know uh, connecting with your family or you know um trying to make amends for things that you've done or, or whatever it is and and certainly with life is strange which we played on the, on the podcast last year you know the the time travel there is is all over the place it really doesn't make much <laughs> sense at all but yeah. that's not it's it's used as a device to tell an emotional story, and I think that's what was slightly disappointing for me with this uh, with Quantum Break. Because even Lost, I think you know it, it does it does try and talk about time travel and and talk about the implications of it. But really, a lot of the times where the the, the, the time travel aspect is most uh, impactful is is when it's it's showing you a, a big emotional moment in the characters' histories and. I felt like Quantum Break just because the actual um, the characterization was was fairly minimal, um, and there wasn't a lot of emotional exploration. Like it didn't make it didn't take the advantage enough for me of of the fact that you can use time travel to to really explore a character's mindset or you know ex- explore what it's like to um, lose someone or to grieve or to uh, try and th- fix things because. As I said earlier, you know, you've got Aidan Gillen's character basically kind of going, I saw the end of time, now I'm going to try and fix it. And you don't... He Obviously, he starts breaking down in terms of his kind of illness that he gets from, from, from traveling around in time, but you don't really see him kind of grappling with some of the things that he's discovered. And that's always my favorite part of, of, of any time travel story is that, is that it gives characters the opportunity and the agency to, to kind of think about who they are and how they interact with the people around them so so yeah i i it's a long-winded way of saying basically it, it was it was totally fine uh, <laughs> as a as a plot device but for me time travel is at its best when it's it's um 
is playing second fiddle to a more emotional story i don't i don't necessarily kind of see it as a as something mm. um to kind of put as your main kind of sci-fi plot device to to try and make a larger point about about how time travel might work because in my opinion it just it it can't <laughs> work and and any use of it is kind of hmm. uh, a little bit silly in the first place um as much as i enjoy enjoy time travel stories Hmm. Actually, hearing you say that, I do want to clarify one thing I said. I said that I didn't care which one they used as long as they were consistent. But I I think you actually more summed up what I was thinking. As you were talking, I started thinking about whether that was actually true and if I cared if it was consistent. One show I'm watching right now is Timeless, which you guys probably haven't seen, maybe. Uh, but it's a show on NBC. Well, Sam obviously hasn't watched that. But hmm. <laughs> it it's about... a team that goes back in time fighting some other people that try to change time and they do regularly change time and some of the stuff they do just from a logical perspective would be so outrageously disastrous in terms of how it affected our world like they're messing with the founding fathers and uh, that would completely (laughs) potentially change the course of the united states and everything else that would domino off of that and it, it usually comes back with minor changes, if any. And I I don't I don't know if I believe that if Ben Franklin's mother gets mm. charged as a witch before she even has him, whether or not she does end up having him and how that affects him seems, you know, questionable. <laughs> but I still really enjoy the show. So it's not consistent at all in that that makes no sense that you know, <laughs> everything doesn't fundamentally change constantly. But I don't care because I'm enjoying all the other aspects of it. So I will just say that I, I basically agree. I don't care what they do. Time travel can, you're right, not really serve as the main course because it would be impossible to do correctly. But as long as they're using it in a way that it tells a story of a character, basically a story worth caring about, then that's all that's really important. It's, it's kind of an eye opening to, to hear you mention Sam, the, uh, the emotional weight of the story versus the sci-fi fun factor. And I do appreciate this, the story and uh, for all of that sci-fi fun factor that, it, that it possesses. But I've got to admit, I think you're right about the, the, just the overall story lacking a lot of the character moments that, you know, like a lot of people have a lot of criticisms about lost. And I think, some of them are valid, <laughs> not as many as people think, but, uh, but I think one thing that Lost did well most of the time was that it was very character driven and like every episode is dedicated to one character's history and it kind of runs in tandem parallel to what we're seeing on the island. So like the, it's kind of like a what's past is prologue sort of thing. So we see why they're behaving this way in the present because of the past. And so in that way, Lost was always a very strong character driven show for me and it gets bogged down for some people when it can't make up its mind on occasion, when it wants to be character driven or plot driven or mystery driven. And, uh, and I appreciate all of those. And, you know, I love lost obviously. And this isn't the show to defend or, or, or lambast lost anyways, but, uh, just, you know, while we're on the subject of comparing quantum break to all these other things, it just got me thinking about just, yeah, how true it is that Quantum Break does lack a lot of those emotional character interpersonal moments. You know, you're you're right about Jack and Beth being kind of like forced. Like, I wouldn't say like when just when she's dead. I, I think they were hinting at it a little bit up until then that there was maybe something more there for them, but not well enough to, to make it believable. 
and then again even more so really like you said with jack and uh and his brother i almost called him charlie and his brother william uh <laughs> now i'm thinking only about lost whoops but yeah with jack and william uh yeah we definitely needed jack to i mean for most of the game he thinks he's dead you know we, we needed to see that more uh yeah, I, don't, I I guess I'm just I'm 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 conceding the point to you, Sam. Basically, that that I, th- I think you're right that this the story it lacked a lot of those heavier moments. And uh, again, I I guess they were going for a Hollywood blockbuster type of thing. So within the outline of what they were trying to be, I guess they nailed it. But maybe maybe it would have been even better if if they could have found some way to uh, sell us on the the emotional impact of, of all these character deaths and trauma caused by you know seeing the end of time and living through it and coming back and there's there's a lot of people's uh mental and emotional states getting thrown around there we don't always see it so i i do think you're right in to, to that point um but yeah just in back to the whole time travel as sci-fi fun though i I think they pretty much nailed that. I think it makes sense as best it can. And uh, like you said, time travel stuff is always always confusing as hell. But I, I, I think they generally do a really good job here with that stuff. And I, I did want to... We, 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 I don't think we've hit on any uh, feedback yet. I did want to just give a shout out to... I, I couldn't pull any of this discussion because it was so long and it didn't really work in piecemeal but there was a there was a lengthy discussion in our forums this month between well a couple regulars actually it was uh beta sig x20 time in the long algorithm and hawkeye barry 20 so four of our of our constants <laughs> among a sea of variables to, to make it time travel again and uh but yeah they, they had a long discussion about the rules of time travel according to this story and i thought uh i I don't know, it was just really fascinating. If, if anyone hasn't been caught up with the forums, I would recommend going to the spoiler section and checking that out. Hawkeye had a, a bunch of questions regarding how the time travel worked, and Beta Sig responded with a with a big long interpretation, and then time of the long algorithm in Hawkeye. They they were all just jumping in together, and it, it went uh, it went really well, and it was, it was really fun to read. And I think overall, this is one of the the better months for feedback. It's just so much of it doesn't really work in this format that we couldn't pull exactly from there. So yeah, we definitely can't get out of the story section of the show without bringing up the game's use of live action episodes found between every two video game acts. Now, when I reviewed this game a few years ago, I seem to appreciate this portion more than most others. I thought the first episode has some really bad scenes right away, which really don't make a strong impression. But after that, at the time at least, I felt they did an admirable job of making it feel necessary to the story. And for for this month's playthrough, I actually ended up skipping most of the episodes as I no longer felt it was that crucial as I once did. Plus it was, you know, just rehash anyways and it didn't seem as necessary to revisit those. Uh, before, I felt like they made the story work with these characters as best they could, whereas now... I kind of saw it in a different light where it felt more like they were forced to include this portion and thus altered the story to suit it, you know, so it's kind of a cause and effect that's 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 in the incorrect, uh, like an inappropriate order there, I guess. The live action portion was almost surgery, a, a Don Matrickism from that weirder launch period of the Xbox One, though it's not totally unlike Remedy to do something weird like this as Alan Wake and Control both mix in some live action as well. I'm really curious how you guys feel about this portion of the game so 
tell me, was it a gripping side story to the Jack Joyce plot, or did you find it a, a hard watch, or maybe something in between? Um, so I, it was okay. I mean, I feel like I'm saying that a lot, with this <laughs> but it was, it was, um, it was passable. I think I agree. The first episode was I was really thinking, oh wow, what am I going <laughs> yeah. to But the, actually, if anything, some of those actors later on in this in the TV series actually got more chance to to as i keep saying um show their emotional range um more than the characters in the game uh, and i don't know why that is exactly i guess because the whole uh, the whole concept of the tv series allowed those characters to to uh, express themselves more because it wasn't really the plot i mean it was a it was a side plot which obviously you would get normally yeah. in a tv series so if you separate that out from the main plot of the game you you actually got a lot more character moments um, and some some of it was was reasonably well acted, but it just it felt a little too jarring for me to be pulled out of the main game and to explore these relatively unimportant parts of the story. I mean, there wasn't there didn't seem to be that many cases where the the impact of those stories was felt in the game and vice versa. I mean, all of the um, uh, the ripples that you find in the game all, all relate to the back to something happening in a TV series, but it was always like it's just a stupid joke most of the time. Like it was just a just a little like oh ha, ha, that's because I pressed that button in the game, rather than you know taking the <laughs> opportunity to actually be like oh wow you know I've, I've that character's been killed off in a TV series because I did something weird. You know um, it, it didn't seem to mm-hmm. happen that often. Apart from right at the very end, you can make a decision about one of the main characters from the TV series, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting because what it what it really made me think of was if I could go back in time and grab Don Matrick, um, maybe even before <laughs> the Xbox One came out, I would say, look, take this idea and use it with something like Twenty Four, the TV series, like where there is already this this kind of aspect of several different groups of characters doing different parts of of the story and some of it's more action based and some of it's more intellectual based um some of it's just highly political um people talking in rooms where it would feel quite natural to go from a piece of gameplay kind of shooting out in 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 wherever uh diffusing a bomb whatever you need to do and then to switch to uh you know a a, a kind of conversation between two politicians or or whatever in the tv aspect Mm -hmm. that that it really just suddenly made me think like, man, I wish I'd got a 24 game like this rather than, than this kind of shoehorning of a, of a TV series into a sci-fi game that didn't really need it. There wasn't, the plot didn't really require this extra layer of stuff going on on the outside. Um, And it just made me think of all these other kind of TV series or game projects or whatever, where actually there would have been loads of opportunities to, to, to go off and see what's going on with someone else and for that to be exciting and, and, and for you to be invested in, in that story. Um, so yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, even though everyone's kind of brushed this entire concept of trying to merge a TV series with a, with a game under the rug, I, I came away from this one thinking like, Oh man, I wish, I wish someone had taken it further. Like I wish someone had, someone else had had, had a go at this and, and tried to make it work because if anything, I, I saw a potential there that I just wasn't feeling from, from the product itself unfortunately Hmm. for me i really want to love the idea of it i really like 
TV and movies a lot more than I like games anyway. So <laughs> this was kind of like, you know, putting putting something nice into the game that I would like to have enjoyed. And I think in terms of how they were directed and such, that they were pretty decent. And obviously the actors were at least competent. They weren't using bottom of the barrel actors or anything like that. So the characters were well done. I agree it does expand their stories a bit, which was interesting just to see those characters from a different light. However, in terms of storytelling, it was just really terrible. <laughs> Mainly because, like Sam said, it was pointless. It If Quantum Break was made as a movie, maybe 5% of these TV show cutscenes would have been included in it. Basically, all of the story is completely worthless. It is not worth having in the story. All it does is take you out of the main story and put you into some weird alternate side thing that just literally doesn't matter at all. So it totally destroys the pacing of the story to the extent a game can't even have any. And <laughs> just didn't it just didn't work. So I I really like that they tried. And I I really hope that they will try again or someone will try again and hopefully do it differently. I understand there was a lot of backlash on these, so they probably made the right choice in terms of telling the story that way. That way, you know, it feels more like a proof of concept showing people, hey, we can do this. It can work. And letting the people that just don't want anything to do with it and get the TV out of their games you know, they, they don't have to experience that because the story works probably honestly better if you don't watch that stuff, which is a real shame, but (laughs) at least it, well, it shows it, it could have worked. And so maybe someone in the future will do a better job or rather not a better job, but a, a game more dedicated and more confident in its ability to do that without trying to appease the people that don't want it and the people that want it at the same time. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of the word uh, when I introduced this topic, but Sam Sam said at one point it was shoehorn. That, that was the word I was thinking of. I didn't see it as shoehorn the first time through because, uh, you know, they do try to bridge these characters enough into the story that it makes sense, especially towards the end when uh, I believe her name was Amy is helping you out uh, via your, your radio contact there and... Uh, but yeah, I, so I don't want to echo too much of what you guys said now because I think I've had kind of a 180 and at this point I do see it as being uh, lackluster. The only part I thought that does work pretty well and I noticed it more starkly this time around because I was skipping the cut, the TV episodes. Well, besides the first one, I watched the first one. But because I skipped the other three, uh, towards the end of the game when you have your face off with Liam as sort of like a mini boss, that scene loses whatever emotional weight it had because or for anyone who hasn't watched the tv episodes because otherwise he's just another grunt that you're taking out but if you watch those episodes you see that uh he's got his wife at home and she's pregnant and so to kill liam like that it it does add a bit more weight that uh that i thought was worthwhile and like i said i i felt i felt it the whole there more so this time around because I didn't experience it that time through and now it felt uh, more pointless I guess in a way that was my own fault for skipping it but I think that speaks to how the story actually did work in that in that one crossover way where 
I, I agree most of the time it didn't, but I, th- I thought there it, it did if pretty well. If I could well. address that a little bit, I think ev- even that is not important. If you think, let's think about a, <laughs> a, a movie. I, mean, I, I see what you're saying that it added additional character depth, but sometimes you don't need additional character depth. So let's talk about any other random character you could have said or seen or in a movie. Let's see. You get into a taxi the characters do and they just go to the place and the taxi drops them off. Now that taxi driver might have had a huge story, maybe not, or you know, it it just frankly doesn't matter. Or, you know, a movie where everything's getting destroyed. You see tons of people get killed in a tidal wave. All these people have stories, but it doesn't add to the story <laughs> of the movie to go through and tell you each of these individual stories. It doesn't really matter because in you know, tying it back to Quantum Break right here, Sean Ashmore doesn't know about any of Liam's stuff. So it, we don't ever get to see how killing a guy that has a pregnant wife at home is going to affect him because we just don't see it. So it doesn't really add anything. It's just something that we know and we can think about, but you can do that. It, it doesn't aid the story yeah. whatsoever. It, all it does is add more and more and more to it. And you don't want to do that with stories. You want to streamline them. Well, I think the only thing I would tweak there is I think it does add more to the story, but not out of necessity. And maybe that's what you wanted to say, or, or maybe we just differ. Yeah, that's that's probably better. I, I should say that it would have been better if it hadn't yeah, added. Like I, I, and that's sort of where the live action falls falls down for most people is that you kind of come away from it thinking either a whole bunch of this wasn't necessary to tell at all, or what was necessary could have been told in a straightforward, just more video game format. And, and that's, that latter point is certainly true. I mean, we could, we could, well, I guess both points are true. We could have eliminated a lot of what we saw in that story. They wanted to flesh out the Monarch characters more. So we get a feel for some of the underlings in this mega corporation and how they're, you know, they're not the Paul Serenes and they're not the Martin Hatches of this place. And, and every, every place has got grunts, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's there, there's a lack of necessity, but because they went and did it anyways, I just think that the, the Liam scenes work pretty well. And he was basically the lead of, of those side stories. And in, in that role, I thought he did pretty well, especially with his ultimate, uh, demise at the end there. We had a couple pieces of feedback. It's about time we get to some of that, uh, regarding the, more well, yeah, regarding the, uh, live action portion. So BetaSigX20 in a longer comment uh, had this to say about the live action portion. I do think it was a bit of a double-edged sword. I thought it was really interesting and innovative, but also it completely takes you out of the game. You just basically set the controller down and watch a 20-minute TV episode. It was even more jarring because the TV show tended to focus on ancillary characters, not the main protagonist. In terms of the overall story, it was interesting to see the narrative from different perspectives, and I think that did help to set up the larger story being told, but I'm afraid it went a little too far in taking you out of the game. The idea was excellent, and I didn't think the TV show itself was bad. I just kept finding myself thinking, when is this going to be over so I can get back to playing the game? And I, I think that, you know, we got a few more, but I think that one captures how a lot of people felt, and that again speaks to the lack of necessity and taking part in any of it, really. Even, even for the people who made it, it's kind of too bad like maybe resources could have went elsewhere and then we had one from leo who said i personally really enjoyed my experience with this game a lot more than i thought it would 
It has changed the bar for me on how well a story-driven game can deliver a good story and fun gameplay at the same time. I can understand some people not enjoying the TV shows in between, especially if you play games to play games. I enjoy the background stories and lore of the game worlds I play in, so it felt like a cool way of breaking up the game to educate you on what else is happening. They put in parentheses, coming from someone who doesn't watch TV. (laughs) And then Tady in the forum said, I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially, and maybe controversially, the TV sections. It gave you a break from one story, and then gave you a different perspective using a different medium. Very good idea, but I doubt it'll be adopted much in the future. I would just add that that's... Probably true, too. We've each spoken to, you know, will we see it again or not? It seems likely that's not. It It kind of stands as one of the pillars of Xbox's early screw-ups in this generation, really, in, in that regard. Though They were so focused on multimedia experiences and being more than a games machine, and Sony sold itself on games, and so Microsoft, I think, lost a lot of people to Sony systems over the past five years because they were misaligned with what people actually wanted, and in that way, Quantum Break sort of stands uh as a unfortunate uh alter to that <laughs> you know what i find to be the most terrifying notion of this planet the idea of god simply the idea of being with that much power the ability to take and give so freely that kind of control. But you'd be feared, not worshipped. Yet people believe in it, just as people believe in Paul Serene. You see, what's so scary about God isn't his control, but rather if he ever lost it. So let's move on to the gameplay portions then. Like all Remedy's other games on consoles, Quantum Break is a third-person shooter with some action-adventure influences built around enhancing the shooting in some notable way. So, whereas Max Payne gave us bullet time and Alan Wake gave us the light-versus-dark element with burning off the shadows of your enemies before you could attack them, Quantum Break fits our hero with upgradable time powers. He can shield himself in a sort of bubble, freeze enemies for easier shots, dash around them before they even know he moved, and so on. Personally, I found many of the game's combat scenarios were easy, even on hard difficulty, which is something that we saw a lot in the in the forums as well. And I think it's because Jack's abilities leave him feeling overpowered compared to pretty much anyone except Paul at the end. And narratively, that makes sense because they were both the closest to the Ground Zero event. Uh, but from the perspective of making a video game, how did this work for you? I actually thought it worked really well. I'm... Yeah, you're the gameplay guy. Yeah, I've, so, <laughs> yeah, I actually recently, in recent years, I used to play all the games on the hardest difficulty that was available, just because I wanted the challenge. And slowly, I've realized that that's not necessarily better. I can beat them, but the frustration doesn't always add to it. In some games, it does, but in many games, it's just enemies do more damage and have more health or whatever. It it doesn't really change anything, so it doesn't make it a lot better. So in this game, I really kind of liked it because it helps you to feel like the absolute badass you really should be, regardless of whether or not you should be able to fire guns and that kind of thing. And I do agree there's something in the story that at least allows for some sense of for that to make some sense but 
regardless of that, the fact that you have all these time powers pretty much means any of us three could go and wipe <laughs> out, you know, tactical squads with the powers that he has. So this game really allows you to do that. So you can feel just how outrageously powerful it is. And if a game's too easy, it does become boring. But here I thought that the combat encounters were short enough and varied enough in terms of what was around you and the environment, the enemies you were facing, that it never became monotonous since there was so much story and so little real actual gameplay. <laughs> so I, I thought overall it, it really, really worked. There wasn't a ton of it, but there was just enough. And what you had, you always felt like a badass. It was just really fun to play with all of those powers. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. And as soon as I saw that Control was doing the same thing, I already know I'm going to get it. I probably would have got it anyway. But I, I really want it now just because I want to see how they can expand upon this style of combat. I thought it was way better than like Alan Wake, which I thought was as far as gameplay went was really, really bad. And this seems a hmm. lot better. Uh, I don't know what to tell you guys, but I just hated all of the combat and all of the <laughs> time powers and everything. Um, because it was too easy or? No, uh, I think uh, there's a couple of things. One thing is that I, as I mentioned in, when I was talking about Alan Wake, there's a particular kind of third person shooter that I really don't get on with. And, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's it's similar to Uncharted as well, where um, it's kind of cover based and you've got a lot of chest high walls around and, you know, that's all fine. You know, that's that's just the conceit of it. But it's less, um, uh, the camera's kind of less locked in as you would get in, say, I don't know, like a Mass Effect or something like that. It's, it's, it's kind of trying to be open, but not open. And I've always just found that a little more annoying than challenging when you kind of um, you're kind of not locked in to go from cover to cover, but at the same time you kind of need to do that to stop yourself getting surrounded. And and mm -hmm. there's something about that that just frustrates me generally. So it wasn't a good start to kind of go going into this, but um, and I fully admit that that's that's just a personal preference. I, it's, it, it's just a, a type of third person shooting that clearly now i've tried so many things like the last of us and alan wake and uncharted and it's just never happening for me it's, it's clearly just not something i'm going to ever get on with but in terms of the superpowers hmm. i just found that um maybe it's because i've played a lot of rpgs and things like that um but although they were time powers i just felt that like that the, the the kind of time manipulation aspect was for the most part just a, a new name for stuff that i'd used before in a lot of other games so you know there's a time bomb okay it blows people up but it doesn't it's a bomb you know it's not it's not really anything to do with time um <laughs> and you know he's got a time shield which is a shield and it i didn't find it um although as, as kevin said you know it, it can make you feel powerful i guess i've felt powerful in enough games now that it didn't really stand out to me as a um as anything particularly interesting um I think the one saving grace that I did find is that I quite liked that there were some enemies that were able to use those powers as well. Because quite often in, in, you know, if you think of something like um, Mass Effect, for example, a lot of those kind of staged combat scenarios, you're it's just basically a shooting gallery and you're using each of your powers to, to gradually just whittle down the enemy. And, and they're not necessarily throwing anything quite as dangerous back. But what I enjoyed in this were the sections where... Um, you're up against the, the Chronon soldiers because they were actually able to use the uh, the kind of the time dash 
to get to you and and that was actually quite effective and and unfortunately as i said because of the 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 kind of third person shooter that it is i i I occasionally found that frustrating because i felt that that i couldn't really grasp the camera and and where i was supposed to take cover um in in a way that i prefer to but the the general concept of it the fact that your enemies can actually use this against you i I quite liked that and i guess for me what i'd hope from from control if if from the the what we've seen of it so far it seems to be using sort of similar kind of mechanics i guess although mark you would know more about that i hope that they carry on that trend of of giving some of those powers to the enemy as well and not not just the bosses but but you know make you have to work for feeling like a badass i know that kevin obviously just said that he just likes in some in some cases he likes to just kind of feel that powerful but i guess for me i like there to be a little bit of give and take with that as well where you know there's a there's a trade-off if you're going to use that they're going to use that or you know they have the means to to defend against that um i guess i guess i would like to see more of that in the future Hmm. so so i guess you really just don't you want games then that are more skill-based and that you really have to put a lot of thought into the actual gameplay then as opposed to games that are more trying to just be like a roller coaster ride is that basically right i i i guess so yeah i think it 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 depends on the game i think i certainly find with shooters i i seem to gravitate towards ones that actually require a little bit of um a little bit of patience and a little bit of skill and isn't just kind of zipping around because I find that the combat then becomes a bit more of a chore because I kind of know that I can get through it and I might make some sloppy mistakes because, you know, I'm, I'm not in the right position with the camera, but I don't feel like when I've completed that particular shooting gallery, I don't feel like I've achieved much. Whereas, you know, in a, in an intense first person shooter, I quite often feel like, oh, wow, I can't believe I got through that. And I guess that euphoria, it means a lot more to me than the euphoria of being like, I'm, you know, I'm super powerful. Um, so, Hmm. Yeah, I get, it, it seems to be a specific thing with shooters, though, because I must admit, if you, if you ask me to pick between, I don't know, uh, uh, Elder Scrolls and the Dark Souls, I will probably go for Elder Scrolls, which literally is the opposite of everything I just said, where you just beat someone with a stick and it's fine. You know, it's it's um, it seems to be a curious <laughs> thing that I have with, with shooters in particular. Hmm. Yeah, most you know, so many games for so long, uh, and and many of them still now are just about empowerment and making the player feel awesome and feel like a badass, like Kevin said. And, uh, yeah, I guess quantum break does that in this way. And like I said, there's a story conceit there that, you know, other than Paul, you're going to be the greatest recipient of these time powers because nobody else was closer to the event that birthed them for you. And, and I think even in the way that, you know, that they named the character, Jack Joyce, it's, it's obvious that they were going for some superhero origin story illusions here. You know, they didn't, it's not a, he's not wearing a cape and tights and a mask and things like that, but this is essentially a superhero story. Uh, we just don't usually see our superheroes in DC and Marvel, like carrying firearms. So, so that part feels different, but I guess, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've never had the problem that, that you have with shooters anyway, Sam, as you were mentioning all the games that do it wrong for you, you just like listed off all my favorite games. So, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm certainly going to part, uh, certainly going to diverge from you in, in that regard. But yeah, I th- I, a lot of people on the forums had, had issues with it or, I mean, not even always issues. Some people were fine with it, but everyone pretty much almost unanimous, unanimously said that, yeah, this game is pretty easy. Even on hard, it's pretty easy. I actually, in my review playthrough, I played on hard. Still found it pretty easy. 
And then, like a lot of people, I ran into some trouble with the boss, which was really a problem at, at the time because uh, there's no option in the pause menu to lower the difficulty. I would have had to have started over <laughs> to do my review playthrough, but luckily I got over that hump. But yeah, I think in, in general that you do feel overpowered and it makes story sense and it's exactly what Remedy was going for. Uh, so I, I would have liked it to be harder myself, but you know, he's, he's a superhero. So that's just how it falls, I guess. And understandable for you not to like that sort of thing consistently. I mean, that's, that's apparently just your taste, <laughs> even though all those games are awesome and but that's fine. <laughs> we, we have uh, a couple, a couple of thoughts I wanted to share. Some of these are more general, but I, I wanted to get them out there for different reasons. Uh, Rista B said, I have mixed feelings on the game. I think it's pretty well done, like how much effort the story gets, but it almost feels like the game didn't get as much effort as it could have. This is especially apparent after going through and doing a run on hard to get the final achievement I needed. This is a shockingly short game in terms of how much actual gaming content there is versus story, and worse, collectibles. To that, I just wanted to say I... I didn't realize on my first time through, but on the second time, Act 5, I think it was, really doesn't have much action until, like, the very end. I think, like, Act 5, Part 1, might not even actually have any shooting sequences, which is fine, for me, at least, because, uh, you know, some games throw so many enemies at you that it becomes kind of ridiculous. It's like, okay, one guy really didn't do all this. Uh, whereas in, in Quantum Break, it's there aren't as many enemies overall, if we're going to just count heads, and then you know, add to that the fact that he is overpowered. And like Kevin said, we probably could have done most of the same <laughs> damage that Jack did. So again, it makes sense in that way. But I think it's a fair criticism to say that a lot of times the actual gameplay portions of Quantum Break are maybe too few and far between for, for most people. Again, I, I, I love the game anyways, because I'm fine with the story content. But yeah, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit and say that I actually like I guess I, I sort of said it earlier, but I appreciated that there wasn't a lot of content there. More is not always better. So while I do think the story maybe went on a bit too long, overall, I think the gameplay, the amount that was there was exactly right for what the gameplay had to offer. It didn't have room, I think, at least in terms of how the game was designed to just throw the same thing at you over and over again it would have eventually become boring and monotonous and then it would have needed to be harder it would have needed to be a different game if they were adding more combat to it so i think the amount they had was just right and that it worked the game is definitely more of an experience than it is really a game it's, it's sort of like sony's first party stuff in that regard but Overall, I, th I think that worked as long as you came into the game understanding what it was trying to be. It, it It's not going to compare favorably to something like Halo or Gears of War or other Microsoft exclusives if you're looking at how does the game actually play. But as a whole, I think it it's just trying to do something totally different than maybe people are used to. Yeah, and I would say that as much as I said I didn't enjoy the combat, you know, if it if we pretend that it was the kind of combat that I enjoyed, mm. I, I, I wouldn't have found it. I, I can't think that I would have found it um, to be too little or too much. I, I think that uh, maybe the walking sections when you're not fighting character moves, maybe a little bit too slowly for some people, um, you know, it might've been more useful to, to be able to 
well like in a lot of walking simulators one of the main complaints quite often is like can you walk a little faster please but um <laughs> but the combat section see there seemed to be enough and they seemed to be well spread out and there were enough different scenarios that if if you're into the combat that that um it could kind of remain interesting i mean i remember that the the actual setup of the um monarch island shootout where you've got the um snipers off in the distance and you're working your way towards the 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 boat controls and things like that that the actual design of that map felt fresh and different compared to the kind of um all the kind of urban setting stuff that you'd had up until that point so yeah i think if i'd if i'd enjoyed the combat more i definitely wouldn't have um wouldn't have found that it was uh there was there wasn't enough of it um it 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 seemed fairly well spaced out to me. Um, so I, I think I mostly agree with Kevin there, to be honest. And yeah, the next bit of feedback I, I wanted to give um, sort of a personalized TA playlist shout out to Guardian Angel GG. He chimed in um, talking about how he loved the game. He pretty much praised it across the board. He liked the collectibles, the the actual story elements, the the visuals, which we're going to get onto in a moment. And I just wanted to comment for, for those who like play along and, and listen to us monthly, you might remember garden angel. GG was the huge fable fan a couple months ago, three, three months ago now. Uh, but it was funny at the time he had never played anything else on his Xbox account. He just had like the four fable games with achievements enabled and that was it. And since then he's joined us every month. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, he didn't like sea of thieves. I think he did like Alice and now he really liked this game. Um, he said playing on easy, it was an awesome game for a casual gamer like me. That was a quote from him. And, uh, I think, I think just that element, just from a, an overall, as the person who helped birth this idea, I just thought it was pretty cool to see that we like convince guardian angel to tag along and play along every month. And now he's not just, I mean, he's still the fable guy, but now he's a, he's like a TA playlist guy too. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I, I, from my perspective, I, I love that like almost like a side quest to our whole playlist journey is guardian angel gg getting to like play along with all of these eye-opening experiences that he wouldn't have had and i mean yeah. like, like genuinely like you know it's 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 awesome to see someone um get to try out loads of these not just the games but the actual like even just the mechanics that are around at that time in gaming like getting to experience all that for the first time you know i'm I come across as jaded in half of these episodes because I just don't like playing this kind of thing anymore. So it's, it's always a pleasure to see him pop up. So hopefully he gets to yeah. join in more often. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's not the only one that's, that's been this way. Of course, we, we've got a ton of faithful people. If you listen every month, you know, a lot of the same names are read every month. And then we get some first timers and just some people who only do it once for each particular game they love. It's, it's just fun to do this event. And I don't know, I'm just praising my own event i guess but I, it's, it's just fun to it's just fun to, to see the different ways people interact with us and, and with each other on the forums and everything that's cool uh the i've got a few more bullet points i wanted to hit they're not going to be as long as everything else so far i think we've covered the bulk of it i i did uh i wanted to maybe briefly just have a laugh together at the sponsored uh properties in this game like the the ad placement alan wake did this with Verizon and with, I think it was Ford motor, Ford, uh, manufacturer, car manufacturers at the time. And I never really knew why I, I figured it was like a funding thing. You know, if, if you're selling ads in the game, then it's just more money to spend on the game. But it's, it was always weird to me because most games don't do this. Like the vast majority of games don't do this yet. Alan Wake did. And then again, here we see for some reason, remedy, I don't know if it's remedy wanting this, 
to, wanting to do this or Microsoft needing Remedy to do it or it's just really weird but like every car in the game was Nissan and everybody who's using any sort of device be it a computer a smartphone or tablet it was you know if it was it was a Windows phone or it was a Windows what do they call their tablet I forget Surface tablet or Windows PC like everything was very clearly Windows and Nissan uh branded and johnny interfunk actually (laughs) had a had a funny just a one-off comment didn't say anything else just popped in the forums and said riverport sure does love nissan (laughs) i thought that was funny but did you got did you guys notice this throughout the game i I noticed in my first playthrough it's actually referenced in my review even yeah i i noticed the windows phone thing because yeah it was just hilarious i mean the idea that (laughs) that um aiden gillen's character is is seen the end of time he's seen he's seen the real reality of the universe in the face and he goes back in time to continue using a windows phone yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that lost what does me he know that I we don't. <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah, I didn't think I about that but you're right. that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly the smart choice but, no, but that was my only. I didn't actually notice the Nissan thing, to be honest. I, I, I yeah. Every typically, I don't particularly like notice car brands in anything. So, um, yeah, cut that one past me. Yeah, every every car that was prominently featured, you know, if if they showed any logos at all, it was a Nissan. Like there was like a there's a scene in a parking garage when Liam escapes in that first episode, and we don't really you see a bunch of other cars, we don't really see their logos. But he drives, I think it was like a 370Z, and. I mean, we don't need to get into the cars. My, my son taught me every car, but I don't need to prove that to you guys. But uh, <laughs> it, it was just funny that, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's just we, like, what kind of alternate reality is this where everybody drives Nissans and Windows is leading the the like smart gadget like race over Apple and, and Android and everybody else? Like, that's <laughs> it's obviously an alternate timeline. This is, this is what happens when you, <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you break time. This is this is what Jack's yeah. involved <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have to. I just wanted to have that laugh real quick, because for some reason Remedy does that, and I don't know why. But uh, yeah, we touched on collectibles earlier. I wanted to hit that as well. Uh, Gamertag AL1, I think it's supposed to be Alley, said, "Unlike most games, you actually get a ton of backstory out of these collectibles, plus a few good laughs." Referring probably to the Time Knife script, if anyone read that. Uh, and then Johnny Interfunk elsewhere said, "To me, though, more of this information should be woven organically into the game." If you have to read a bunch of text to make the story good or to make sense, you failed at building a compelling game. Uh, you give some other examples. Too. The worst example of this, of course, being Destiny, but there are plenty out there. The other one that sticks out in my head was Final Fantasy thirteen, which had plenty of good supplemental text about the Crystal World. But if you didn't read it a lot, the plot was non. Or you didn't read a lot of it, the plot was nonsensical. <laughs> and I think I, I wanted to read that one because I think that's going to echo kevin's um long established belief about games and pacing and and their abilities to tell stories and and how they choose to tell those stories do i have that right kevin i think i completely agree with that including his two examples destiny and final fantasy 13 those games and this one this one not to the same extent but both of those games are pretty infamous for leaving a lot untold final fantasy 13 at least has a story but it is outrageously confusing if you don't really dig deep into the lore. Destiny basically doesn't have a story at all until you go through and read on Bungie's website all of the lore, which was even worse. <laughs> the collectibles aren't even really in the game. So that was that was not good. Here, I 
I generally agree with the idea that he's pushing here in that this information should be organically woven into the game. That said, I don't think any of this stuff is really too important. And I, I don't think that the game really loses anything when you don't have it. So I wouldn't put this on the same level as Destiny and Final Fantasy 13, but I do agree with the spirit yeah, of what It sounds saying. a lot like things you've written on site previously about pacing and all oh, that. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it definitely is. I, I think it just it creates a... I think between the the two different kind of modes of gameplay where you've got a lot of walking around and then a lot of shooting um, and then you've got the TV series and then you've got the collectibles. It's just, it just feels a little too fragmented and, and it's not until you read some of those collectibles that you can work out whether it's kind of necessary for you to, to have read them to understand the story or not. And I don't know. It's just, it, the, the kind of some of the text that you would read in the collectibles seemed important when you read it it seemed like oh this is gonna this is gonna matter later and then it didn't and <laughs> i guess for me the way to if you're gonna do the collectibles thing um and i suspect the reason why they did the collectibles thing here is because bioshock was still reasonably recent in people's memories and i think that a lot of people tried to jump on this idea of of putting flavor and story into the collectibles and well, not to mention Dark Souls. Well, also, yeah, and I think which is pretty much. But the thing with Bioshock and Dark Souls, I think that other people didn't really, uh, other um, developers didn't necessarily grasp onto it. It wasn't just the fact that they dumped information into, um, into the collectibles or into into you know some esoteric piece of lore that you have to go and find. It's that the actual the the themes of the game kind of tied into that. I mean, Bioshock is is an unfolding horror mystery where you as the character are trying to gradually understand what this place is and it's very much the same with dark souls you know you part of the experience is that you're gradually trying to build up an understanding of of what's going on and quantum break isn't that quantum break is a popcorn hollywood movie and but, but which again shoehorned in with this kind <laughs> of law building stuff around it that i just don't think it needs i mean you, you, there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of purpose or use in kind of building out and expanding on something that's relatively generic and straightforward. I mean, for for a time travel story, this is quite a straightforward one, really. It's it's you know, uh, as I said at the top of the show, you know, it's it's uh, someone goes into the future, works out things are going to go wrong, tries to fix it, becomes a bad guy, you take him down. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's fairly straightforward, and you don't you don't um, you don't necessarily need to build out all of this stuff around what ultimately is just a regular evil corporation. It's not. It's not that interesting, and and particularly because a lot of that lore isn't um, uh, like Bioshock. Bioshock kind of actually created whole side characters out of its out of its audio tapes. You know, you 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 got a whole kind of arc of a side character by collecting a certain series of tapes, and and there was a lot less of that in Quantum Break. A lot of what I picked up was just kind of scattered bits of information. You know, it 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 didn't necessarily build up into that interesting a picture there may have been one piece here or there as you said mark you know there may have been a piece near the end that was particularly interesting but for me it wasn't by the time i kind of gave up reading them it, it wasn't building anything interesting so i was just kind of picking them up for the sake of it hmm. um and i think i think that's where certainly games around this era just kind of felt like they had to do this whole let's shove some information into a collectible but not necessarily thought about 
how you craft that as a as a piece of storytelling i guess yeah and that's still going on even today too i think ghost recon wildlands does an awful job of that there are so many collectibles in that game and there's really no story unless you seek all those out but it's not fun to seek all those out all those out so you kind of pit it against two bad choices <laughs> um i in general i did actually like them in quantum break uh like you said yeah you might have there's one at the end that I think is really interesting for any potential sequel talk, but uh, as we'll get on to shortly, I, I don't see that coming either. <laughs> I wanted to read one more piece of feedback from the collectibles portion of things. Hawkeye Barry 20 said, I kind of liked the collectibles. Most were fine and did add to the story. What I didn't like is some of the emails were so long. I'm not reading an email that long if it was sent to me, let alone a character in a video game. And I could <laughs> definitely uh, definitely see his point there. I, I put it in my review, actually. That was one of the negatives I gave it at the bottom in the summary was there are so many collectibles that the pacing is just totally shot, you know, like... So it's it's I guess in that way it's kind of like Wildlands. If you want to go through and skip the collectibles, I, I think there actually is some important stuff there that you're going to miss. If you want to go in and collect all those collectibles to make sure you get all that story stuff, then the pacing is going to take a hit. And there's really, I don't know, games just have to, in general, figure out, and you know, probably some have, you need to figure out how to do both and how to walk that line. And if it's really that important, get it in the game in a better way than, than making me come upon a piece of paper or uh, an inexplicable audio diary from someone who, you know, really has no reason to be just recording their every thought out loud i think the south park game messed with that idea as well but yeah i mean it's, for me it's, it just it seems so bizarre that, that like we quite often we as a as as gaming critics generally we talk about like trying to unlock like the right way to do collectibles and i just think i sometimes i just sit back and think just do less like we, <laughs> we're not asking for the world here like just do less of them they can have some and some games do have, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, something like that. Just not 100. Like, yeah. just just rein it in. It's just an editing thing for me. Like, it's, it doesn't seem yeah. like some kind of holy grail you've got to try and work out how to achieve. It's just it's just uh, hmm. editing, really. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people, or developers rather, seem to be trying to give you a reason to explore the world and rewarding that kind of thing. Mm. But... I, I don't know. Ultimately, to me, it doesn't seem worth. I mean, I, I hate collectibles, so maybe I'm not the right one to ask. But if your world's not worth exploring unless you've got that, then just don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. And I, I don't. I don't know. I maybe that's just <laughs> me hating collectibles, and so that's where that's coming from. But I I don't feel like there's much benefit that comes from them. So one aspect uh, we haven't touched on yet, uh, but I definitely wanted to. It's it's something I've not wavered on since it released, which is how gorgeous I find this game to be. To this day, I truly don't understand, and maybe you guys will disagree and I can see it better, but as of right now, I don't get why this game doesn't receive more love for being so visually stunning. I think the way the world ripples and bends and breaks all the time through the use of the time powers, plus how great the lighting and characters look in Remedy's new Northlight engine, I... I seriously wonder if we're just so spoiled these days with pretty graphics that we don't stop and ponder just how great this game looks. It's it's a few years old now. I mean, it came out in 2016. It was being made since like 2012. And I don't think it shows its age in the slightest visually. Am I crazy here? Did, like, it doesn't get any, a lot of love in this regard. And I feel like it deserves more. Do you guys agree or? 
so unsurprisingly, I don't think much of the visuals in this game. Um, I, I'm kind of rolling back to what I was saying about Rise, and and to be honest, I was probably a little harsh on Rise when I said that you know I didn't I didn't think much of the visuals. I think that I but I enjoyed them a lot more than than I than I did anything in Quantum Break, and it's not. Um, it's the art direction. It always comes down to the art direction with me, and I know that that a lot of people can see a lot more beauty in detail than I can hmm. when it's just you know looking at grey buildings and alleyways and and things like that. But I just didn't. I found the the actual landscapes that they chose to set this in so uninteresting that no amount of high fidelity or in or kind of uh, detail kind of would would do anything for me and. I get your point about the, the obviously the time, uh, the time manipulation was 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 interesting the way they animated it, but I didn't think it was that interesting, and and it was playing off of such generic black backgrounds to me that I, I didn't really get the full impact of it. I mean, there were certain sequences that that they kind of really made it work. Certainly, the the first time that time stops in next to the time machine, where you've got the the chairs kind of um, floating around you and stuff, you know, that was that was quite effective, but sort of in the actual gameplay when you're using it again you're just in such a for me a, a generic uh chest high wall gritty urban combat scenario that it just it kind of just felt like a washout to me so so no certainly in terms of the environmental stuff i i didn't really i didn't hmm. hate it i just didn't notice it it, did, it didn't impact me I, in any way i didn't take my breath away i suppose um, i could see what you mean with the environments being uh like blander, I guess, because I, you know, thinking back on it now, I guess a lot of it is in parking garages and, and yeah, the Monarch buildings is very like almost futuristic, like plain white with like, like dashes of yellow all over the place. I guess in an uncharted sort of way, there are a lot of yellow like depicts uh, like navigation in this game. But yeah, I, I guess maybe mostly speaking to the time powers, I just think they look fantastic. So Kevin, any thoughts on that? Not a ton, honestly, other than that, I think I agree with Mark that this game is exceptionally beautiful and that I, I really think in terms of art direction, I don't, I, I can see where Sam's coming from and that the areas aren't super special and it, it's definitely crippled by the need to make the gameplay cover system work. But overall, I I think the way they made the time powers look and how it works within the environment is is definitely extremely neat and very unique. You don't see games doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I just think of the when the time machine first turns on in the intro before anything's even gone awry, and you get that weird like inverted bubble like fish lens thing going on. I don't know if you remember. Hopefully, that's a good enough description to jog people's memory. Otherwise, that sounds weird. And but yeah, just just from start to finish, I thought it it looked great, and it it looks great in a way that. I think a lot of Xbox games don't even go for really. I think Gears of War 4 did it recently, but besides that, like a lot of the Xbox exclusives don't ever really try for that photorealism that Sony goes for with with like their Uncharted's and things like that. And but I thought Quantum Break was was on par with those. Maybe not in art direction, but at least in fidelity and and some visual effects. I I thought it was awesome in that way. To be fair, my entire experience was kind of jarred by how stuttery my experience was. I don't know if this is a known thing with the game or whether it was just bad luck on my part, but I was really wrestling with the frame rate any time it went to a cutscene, and even in the TV episodes, like it, I was, I had to turn the subtitles on 
because I couldn't understand what people were saying. Weird. Because the, 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 the game wasn't keeping up with the dialogue. I um, So that probably gave me a negative impression from the get-go because I was I felt like I was constantly fighting the um the game to actually run mm. so um which is weird because I mean the disc looked fine I didn't notice any problems with it I haven't had any problems with any other game so um I don't know what that was about um I'd be intrigued to see whether anyone else had a similar issue with it but it it really seemed quite bizarre to me how how just how stuttery it got every single time it tried to load any cutscene or 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 any new area hmm yeah i didn't have any of that i've I've not heard that being an issue but uh i think personally i maybe tend to miss some of that stuff i don't care about frame rate too much when it's when it's really a nice crisp 60 i think i noticed but other than that it doesn't like i didn't even have issues with just cause 3 and a lot of people did there yeah, but. I mean, I don't, I don't normally have issues with. I don't notice frame rate unless it's literally to the point where I can't understand what people are saying. Yeah, like, yeah, that was quite unusual. <laughs> yeah, it certainly sounds fair. I just hope maybe that your Xbox isn't dying or something. But if it's just this game, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll have to look into that. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's just one more uh, sort of main topic I want to hit, and that's the sequel talk, and that's that's come up a lot. Sequels and future plans. Uh, it's been relevant in the past several shows now, and. And this marks the second game in a row where Remedy set itself up for for a sequel that now doesn't seem very likely to ever happen. <laughs> in fact, I'd speculate that if we get any Remedy sequel at all, it's much more likely to be Alan Wake 2 and not Quantum Break 2. I want to touch on this point for two reasons. On the one hand, I'd like to ask, is it fair for Remedy to keep building these games with bigger worlds to explore that we then never get to explore? And secondly, and maybe this goes hand in hand, what is it? about Xbox's single-player experiences that almost never create the sort of buzz that those on PlayStation do. One could argue that PlayStation games like Uncharted and God of War are just simply more polished and just overall better. But I th- I always feel, with this game in particular, like if, if it was on PS4 and not Xbox One, it would have received more love. And I don't mean that in like a... Well, I, I, I don't want it to mean that in a sort of fanboy way, but I guess it inevitably comes out that way. But do you guys agree, like... And if so, who is to blame here? Is it the PS4 crowd just more welcoming to these sorts of games? Does Microsoft not support them as best they should? Is it is it simply just maybe untrue that Quantum Break wouldn't have got that much love? Like, I don't know. Not to delve too much into console war type stuff, but I, I think in general, Sony has a lot of success pulling off games that are exactly like this. So perhaps <laughs> the PS4 audience, the Sony audience in general, just are the type of people that like this kind of thing. If you like this type of experience, then you should have a PS4 and you probably do. Whereas if you like the more really gameplay oriented stuff without all of the story, then, you know, Xbox might be more up your alley. So obviously there are people that like that, that own the opposite console. And, you know, I I don't mean to say you can't find enjoyment out of whatever, but at the end of the day, I, I think, Yes, this game would have done better on PS4 simply because the audience that typically buys games, Sony games at least, on a PS4 like this kind of thing. And maybe Microsoft fans don't like it quite so much. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there's something to that. Yeah, I I just get the feeling like there would definitely be an Alan Wake 2 by now if Alan Wake 1 was a PS3 exclusive and not a 360 exclusive. And I, I could be wrong, but I just can't shake that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say 
it's, it's hard to say exactly what would happen if it was on PlayStation rather than on Xbox because, in my opinion, as someone who's fairly console agnostic, I do, th- I, I would rank, I would still rank Alan Wake and Remedy's work so far below the majority of things yeah. that I've played. So, I, I, I mean, not every exclusive on PS4 does really, really, really well. I mean, Detroit's done done fairly well recently, but it's not hit the same mark as God of War, for example, and and obviously all of naughty dog's work is is has done very well but i guess for me that they encapsulate a massive chunk of what people consider um ps4 exclusive so when people talk about you know all the great exclusives that they've had a lot of that a big section of that is naughty dog um and and they're doing they're already doing what the, the kind of game experiences that remedy are trying to achieve and they're doing it well they're doing it with a lot of polish a lot of money um mm-hmm good acting good music um in my opinion more interesting art direction as well just not even necessarily sort of consciously but just because of the settings that they choose i think i think they just end up hitting more interesting um interesting environmental cues and stuff that that just looks better in screenshots and in trailers so i i still have faith that you know that xbox can kind of achieve those heights as long as they just they just hit on the right title and the right game and and it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens with control because it's going to be this cross-platform experience you know it'd be interesting to see how xbox players respond to it compared to ps4 i think that's going to be a really telling um telling moment to see whether you know the people within the xbox community that keep growing out for more single player experiences where they actually get behind it because if if the PlayStation crowd will decide that they love it, and yet people aren't buying it on Xbox. Then, then that says a lot, really. Um, so mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be an interesting moment, as, as it would be with with uh, an Alan Wake sequel or a Quantum Break sequel, because I, I would assume that they would go cross-platform as well. Yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised they weren't. Remedy wasn't one of the studios that Microsoft bought. My guess is, uh, I mean, well, for for reference uh this is this we're recording this just a few weeks after e3 and microsoft just bought five studios or started one and bought four more and i would assume that uh remedy was probably one of them that they reached out to and remedy didn't want to do it uh and you can see why too because i I feel like they also feel that like their games could could be doing better with i mean obviously with a broader audience it's better to be multi-platform than than single platform most of the time but uh I think maybe they they have a feeling that PlayStation might appreciate them more. Who knows? Well, it's tough to say. I, I know when they announced their game and their logo hit the screen at the Sony conference at E3 this year, uh, there was a there was a, a noticeable pop in the crowd's excitement levels, and so that was that was cool to see. They they know who they are. They're happy that they're getting them over there. And and, at, and I don't want to play like an us versus them thing because like you, I'm platform agnostic as well. I I like Xbox primarily just because that's where I keep all my achievements stored and but i i love everything sony does that's exclusive as well so yeah just always i don't know it just feels like we would have sequels to these games by now if they were multi-platform or if sony was was handling publishing yeah and i mean but, i think particularly with quantum break uh the, the likelihood of a sequel i can only imagine that i can only imagine what it was like to try and make a game under the the, the end of that matrix era xbox as well and and yeah i i I have a strong suspicion that that game did not come out the way that they wanted it to. And that was why, you know, it wasn't long after um, Quantum Break came out that, that and, and certainly well before 
Microsoft started trying to get more studios back under their wing, Remedy just came out sort of separately and said this next project isn't going to be on Xbox alone. And yeah. I think I think that reading between the lines there was saying that did not go the way we wanted it to go. We didn't appreciate the kind of direction that things took. And and certainly every time someone talks about Quantum Break and the fact that it's got this TV show shoehorned in and things like that, I mean, don't get me wrong, someone like Remedy must have really wanted to try that. But when you have that discourse, it always comes back to, oh, well, you know, that's a really Don Matrick era Xbox kind of thing. So you can only imagine that, that they probably wouldn't necessarily want to touch quantum break again in quite the same way certainly if they they went to it again i think it would look very very different because yeah it seems to be in some ways almost more of a early xbox one game than it is a remedy game obviously there are a lot of touches in it that are, that are clearly remedy you know the, the the style of it the tone and and the the script and things like that but it just it feels like an early xbox one game and like rise and like a lot of things that came out around then even all the way up to recall i think um, I can't see many of them coming back. I mean, they didn't have a lot of, yeah. you know, they didn't have loads and loads of sequels in the run-up anyway. You know, we're only talking about the initial game in each case. So so there's not a lot of, not necessarily a lot of momentum to bring those things back anyway. So um, Alan Wake's a bit different because, um, you know, it, it started up a little bit before all of that kicked off anyway. There was, it, was, it, it, it didn't fall into that same trap. And, and also it left a little bit more of a, more of an intriguing cliffhanger, I guess, than than Quantum Break. I mean, obviously, Quantum Break <laughs> has this this idea that he's got to go off and and try and save his girlfriend or whatever. But it was it is that's a very kind of just Hollywoody way to end the movie that you don't you're not necessarily like desperately excited to go and find out what happens there. Whereas I think Alan Wake had a bit more of a mystery, um, and because we we had a suspicion for a while that a sequel was already in the works, that makes it a little bit more of a you know there's going to be a little bit more hype if that ever comes about but i just i think this is the last we'll ever see of quantum break to be honest yeah i i tend to agree it it's a tough sell i think alan wake has more of a cult following behind it that if yeah. ever on stage phil spencer shows off and guess what alan wake too like people will get excited for that uh it's mm. still a bit of an, a niche crowd i feel like it's it's maybe not yeah. not as on the radar as as they would want it to be but uh I don't know in in this in this new version of Microsoft where they announce acquisitions of Compulsion and Ninja Theory and they expect that like not huge numbers of people but enough people will be excited about that that they can do that on stage and create fanfare around it. I think an an Alan Wake sequel is is still possible, but yeah, Quantum Break. Unfortunately for fans like me, it's it's probably a one and done. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if they can get people excited about Battle Toads coming back. Then they can get people excited about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've I've never played that one. I, I don't really get the hype. I'm curious. To it's see not it worth is. it. Nope. Don't <laughs> Save it for the Battle Toads <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So let's move on to stats. Um, usually this is the part of the show where we say, "Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, joined us on TrueAchievements.com/ta playlist, rated the podcast, reviewed the podcast, done all that good stuff." Uh, please go ahead and do it. It really helps us out and finds new, finds new voices and all that. I want to keep it briefer this time, but please, if, if you haven't yet, it only takes probably three minutes total to do everything I just listed off. So come join us if you haven't. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, let's look at the stats. 
I just want to refresh them and get the most accurate. Oh, five more people have started since then. <laughs> so we had uh, just under a thousand people playing this time. Nine hundred ninety-seven. It was actually nine ninety-two when I when we started recording. So five people have joined us since we started recording this about two hours ago. Uh, of those, four hundred ninety-one were starting it for the first time. Uh, one hundred forty-one completed the game. Uh, total achievements was 13,600, a little bit, little bit over really. Total gamer score was over 300,000 at 319,050, which translates to our, our homemade TA score for 414,581. So it's about an average month. Um, you know, some, some months have been huge for, for reasons unrelated to playlists, like a game's gone on sale or was games with gold and stuff like that. But in general, we usually get anywhere from 800 to 2000 people that uh are playing and who who knows how many are actually playing along with us or just playing anyways but the stats don't really tell us <laughs> that but the uh i will say the forums this month were, were extremely busy one of the busiest months ever and one of the most rewarding ever for me is someone who goes through and reads them all there was uh, a lot of good discussion in there especially about the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff like i said earlier <laughs> um how much did you guys get um, so I got 28 achievements for 625 game score and 783 true achievement score. Um, although I said earlier that I didn't bother with the collectibles, I should point out I actually I got all the collectibles. I just didn't read them. <laughs> so I, oh. I uh, when I realised I wasn't really enjoying the combat that much, um, and honestly, lots of other parts of the game, um, I I whacked it down to easy and <laughs> thought, well, if I'm going to go through it, I'll I'll get. Um, as much as I can in one go, and and so I I followed a uh, a guide from somewhere. I don't I don't think it was TA, but to be fair, it was a pretty bad guide. So you know, I don't feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm being a traitor there anyway. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I went through and just just uh, didn't really have to try to find them. I just followed this guide through, and um, yeah, I think I'm pretty happy. I think that's as many achievements that I'm ever going to get though, because uh, the game is going straight back to the second hand shop. and what about you kevin my stats i actually completed the game the first time i played it way back when it first released and had a lot of fun doing that so this time around i didn't need to unlock anything and did not but had a good time with it so that was great i guess that reminds me i i didn't even mention how much i got like like you kevin i uh actually completed this i nearly completed it blindly when I was reviewing it, the achievements were popping, but we couldn't yet see the list. And by the time the achievement list did show up on site and on Xbox, I had all but two of them earned. So it really stung. Had I been able to peek at the list, I could have been the first person in the world to to get all of them. But I was ultimately the, the 15th, <laughs> which is still pretty good. I think it's my highest ever. But yeah, so I didn't earn any this month either. So yeah, as time has run out for our month of Quantum Break, that means we can peek ahead to next month's game which has just been decided a few days ago it's going to be fallout new vegas this will be our our first true lengthy meaty rpg for the event if i recall correctly so it's going to be a long one for most players i I expect including me um any early thoughts on this game from you guys um well yeah i mean it's it's a big one for me it's it's one of my favorites i would say it's certainly my favorite fallout um and i'm a bit of a Bethesda open world apologist, although Fallout Four it, it was was a 
disaster in my opinion but anyway uh, we'll get into that but um <laughs> but no before that new vegas is an interesting one i think that uh, it's it it's going to take a lot of time uh, to get through it or if you really want to kind of get into the the meat of it a lot of it is locked away in side quests and in uh maybe even in the dlc if you guys if anyone listening is actually gonna pick any of that up it's worth looking into so we'll get into it next mm. month but i will just say as a psa here like if you want to get involved with it give yourself plenty of time to to explore it and and consider continuing to look into it after the month's over as well because i think there's a lot to be found in it unfortunately i won't be able to play fallout new vegas so while i would have been happy with just about any of the other games i'm going to have to step away for the next month but i will be back in the month after that so for all of my dedicated fans i have not forgotten about you (laughs) i will be there and you can you you can just keep listening because I, I will come back. So with that, it's uh, about time we get out of here. You can... Oh, sorry, I keep doing these puns. You can find the event on site at trueachievements.com slash TA playlist. Join us in the forums, post videos, compare stats with the rest of the community playing along, all that fun stuff. And we'll see you in July with Fallout New Vegas. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.